0: This is TLDR Podcast, where we talk sports, MLBs, NHLs, NBAs, pop culture, and nobody
1: understands Westworld, and more, top 10 alcoholic beverages, with your hosts, Alex, yeah boy, Eric, yo,
2: James, the San Francisco 49ers, best team in the league, Traded. Right oh, to the- sit down bud, and Tyler, oh damn where we do the research and trash-talking for you. What kind of cockamamie bullshit is (laughs) Adam Silver thinking? They're playing super hot right now, and they're... It's not finishing. It's the middle of the season. I understand that, but I'm saying that they're, they're moving towards that. Welcome to TLDR Podcast, presented by Anchor.
0: how's it going everybody this is tldr podcast this is episode i believe 71 yeah we're back we're in the we're we're, we're, you know we're we're in the 70s now but but uh you know unfortunately we're still down two guys um we got one but one left um alex welcome back james we miss you eric we really miss you and it's been way too long since we've had you um but alex First of all, you came onto the podcast. We haven't seen you in like three weeks
1: and you've changed your face (laughs)
0: Um, and and not for Halloween. So tell us, you know, tell us how it's going, man.
1: Yeah. So I was gone the last two weeks um, because I was in New York for a little vacay um, with the fiance's family. Shout out Robin. It was her 50th birthday. Um, So that's why I was gone. Bummed I missed episode 69. I wasn't keeping track of what numbers we're at. So now I'm a little sad. Yeah. Um yeah, uh you know what? My beard had gotten really long. obviously this is a podcast for the people that are listening to it. Um but I shaved in a whole mustache situation going on. It was kind of spur of the moment like uh yesterday for Halloween, um I was a uh, Bugs Bunny Tune Squad, like the um, Michael Jordan Tune Squad. Yeah. Um I was going to be a fighter pilot and that's when I was going to shave the mustache in for that but like the suit was super weird. So I just, it was like too uncomfortable. So I didn't do it. Uh, and then I got home and I was like, you know what, let's just shave it in for like Movember, like, you know, supporting men's health. Um, so here, yeah, here we are, but I'm glad to be back. I know it's been two weeks. So it's been kind of weird. The, the visual for you li- listeners
0: is it's a, like, you know, Alex's beard's big. And he has just this epic handlebar now all the way down. Like it doesn't uh-huh. stop. It just goes all the way down to the to the chin, all the way to the chin uh, line. Is, yeah, it is quite epic. <laughs> um, and all. welcome back, Alex. Hopefully we won't miss you, you. you know, for a long time. <laughs> Tyler, we tried to play hockey yesterday, but again, they for some reason thought it was a good idea to book a hockey game on Halloween night for a men's league yeah. after a Halloween or during a Halloween where kids had just missed kind of one last year. Like, I, I, I don't know the logic. But how are you doing, man? We had a nice we had a nice time at your house yesterday at least.
2: Yeah, so hockey, obviously, like just no feel by the uh, league organizers there booking a Halloween hockey game. Like they know that at least two-thirds of their of their members are fathers and have children and are gonna be busy on Halloween night. So rough on Anaheim Ice there for doing that. But nonetheless, we got a little bit of stick time in there. I played some played some hockey for a little bit just with us. So it was it was, it was fun. Uh, but yeah, yesterday, uh, first time, uh, Jess and I have hosted a football watch party at our, at our new place, and I thought it went very well. So uh, it was pretty much just you and Kylie, but uh, next time, hopefully, we'll have more people. Uh, the food was great. The football was great. So all, all around great day, minus the forfeiting hockey part.
0: Yeah, the forfeiting hockey part w- was pretty rough, but uh, the rest of it was pretty it was pretty great. And we, we thank you for having us. Um, We're ready. We're we're excited to do it again. Um, So I, I wanted, I wanted to start the podcast. I mean, we, you know, there's only three of us and usually we will only do, um, you know, a couple segments, but um, I'm going to do a quick hockey segment regarding probably the biggest story that's hit the NHL in years. It seems like, and it's all that's been talked about for the past week. Um, so for those who are in, who are tied into the league, you, you know who you know what that is. Um, if you don't, this is your chance to kind of, you know, hear about it and, um, you know, um, you know, get get involved. Um, the the Chicago Blackhawks were caught in a uh, sexual assault um, scandal um, of a with the. Uh, video coach back in 2010 during their Stanley cup run, um, with a, you know, a player that was, uh, was on that team. Um, and unfortunately the, the report that came out, it came out, you know, 10 years later, and, and it, it proved everything that, that actually happened after, after this individual who is, who now named himself to be Kyle beach, um, uh, you know, sued the, sued the team in the middle of the summer for basically mishandling the entire situation. Um, so, um and i just you know there's been a lot of fallout it's been quite the story there um quite the scandals considering there was a lot of uh, covering up uh decisions made by what we thought were adults and by individuals that even i looked up to as a, a fan of hockey who i you know some of these individuals and one in particular i thought was one of the greatest coaches to ever you know be involved in the game and turns out that he's the exact opposite um so I'm just going to give everyone kind of a rundown of of, of everything that happened. Um, And, you know, we're, and the boys and I can have just a discussion about this. Um, This is one of those, this is one of those moments that very similar to some of the discussions we've had on this podcast maybe last summer and uh, you know, throughout, throughout this whole, um, you know, TLDR podcast journey, you know, some of these just need to be discussed. And um, this is one of them. Uh, And so Back in May of 2010, during the during the uh, Blackhawks' first Stanley Cup run of their most recent dynasty, which is unfortunate, we can call it that now, <laughs> um, the uh, the former Blackhawks center Kyle Beach, who was actually a uh, an AHL player who got brought up as a as a basically a reserve player, um, engaged in a sexual encounter with uh with the with the um, a video coach for these for the. Um, Chicago Blackhawks and it was unfortunately it was not consensual on uh, contrary to the um report of you know the said um um suspect and um unfor- uh, so be, uh, you know after that night that it, that it occurred and, and quite frankly I read the report you know, you can find the report online it it's quite it, it's quite eye opening and gut wrenching um and it and it kind of took my breath away uh, and it kind of ruined you know, it really made you think about, you know, gave you some perspective anyway. But the, the worst part of it was uh, Beach, you know, confided in a in a skill coach to help him out, who actually did everything he could to to, you know, get it to who he to, to, to fix the issue or at least to address the issue. And, um, you know, he brought it to the he brought it to the to the executives up, you know, the GM assistant GM co, uh, head coach and all who all those individuals had a meeting. Um, of which the skills coach was not involved, but the the liaison between the coaching staff and obviously the the um, front office, you know, had their meeting, and in that meeting, unfortunately, um, they the I guess the PR guy and the head coach himself really wanted to brush this issue aside to take take the spotlight off of to take the potential spotlight off of that issue as they were just entering the Stanley Cup final. Um, it, it, really seemed like their biggest focus was on, you know, winning the Stanley cup, as opposed to addressing a, a real human, you know, incident that happened for, you know, an actual, from, from, for, you know, for an actual human being. And, um, unfortunately the, the, you know, it got brushed aside the, the Blackhawks, as we know, won the Stanley cup in 2010. Uh, and then they went on and then human resources started to get involved with the incident way too late but nonetheless um it was a few weeks or it was it was a few weeks after the incident and basically the human resources were given uh, brad Aldrich basically gave them an ultimatum that he that he'd either resign or that he would he would he would get fired or and they would open up an investigation obviously aldrich took the took the took his uh, resignation the Blackhawks gave him a severance. They gave him a playoff bonus and they gave him his championship ring for being on the team. And as, as right now, his, his name is um, etched into the Stanley Cup um, for that year. Um, he then ended up finding a job um, in Miami, uh, Miami University. Um, unfortunately, the Blackhawks gave him a glowing review so he would get that job. And he then ended up sexually assaulting two men while serving as a coach for um, Miami University's director of hockey ops. Um, uh, after that, he resigned later that year after that, that kind of whole scandal, um, initiated. And then he went, at, uh, then he went to serve as a volunteer hockey coach for a high school team in Michigan, where then again, he, uh, sexually assaulted a high school um, hockey player. And fortunately, um, the, he was sentenced to jail for that one and, um, is currently a registered sex offender in the state of Michigan. Um, all. All while, all while the, the Blackhawks completely have stonewalled, you know, this was back, this was 2013, so three years after the incident in Chicago, um, this, you know, the Blackhawks HR has really, really did a great job of pushing this under the, brushing this under the rug. And then fast forward, I guess, you know, seven years now or six or seven or eight years now, um, John Doe, who now we know is Kyle Beach, uh, filed his lawsuit against the, Black, uh, against the Chicago Blackhawks for failure to punish Aldrich for his alleged assault in 2010. And the Blackhawks promptly opened it up, opened up an in, independent investigation. And um, you know, it wasn't until just last Tuesday, I believe that this report was, that this report dropped and the report was completely independent. Um, and And you can find, again, you can find the report online if you, if you uh, are interested, even the executive summary is enough to really get a good um, idea of, of the story. And it and it really it really proved, you know, based on everything that they found, um, testimonial interviews um, with, you know, individuals all around the situation. um, It did it did prove that that Brad Aldridge did engage in a non-consensual sexual act with uh, with Kyle Beach. And the worst part of it was the the Chicago Blackhawks had no, no no wherewithal to address the issue. And unfortunately for Kyle Beach, he has been living with that horror for the past 11 years. Um, in doing so, Stan Bowman and McIsaac, who I, th- who I believe was um, part, of the, uh, part of the front office as a, as a PR guy or a director of hockey ops, I can't remember. They both have since um, um, resigned from the Blackhawks staff. Um, Stan Bowman, again, is one of those individuals who I thought was uh, one of the best GMs in the league who is the son of one of the greatest coaches to ever live um, in Scotty Bowman. And clearly he was not an adult during, during a a key incident where, you know, you think that you would take care of your players, but little, little to be, little to be known that wasn't necessarily the case. Um, the current Blackhawks CEO Danny Wirtz said that the report is both disturbing and difficult to read. He was not part of the incident back then, so obviously he's he's still um, the CEO of the of the Chicago Blackhawks. And uh, and it sounds like the the owner Rocky Wirtz is is extremely shocked. He had no he didn't even have any idea, which is which you can really tell is, is shocking. Um, Rocky Wirtz is a is a, is a great man, and I think he I think he holds well regard, you know, in the st- in the city of Chicago. So. It would have been surprising if, if he would have known it, would have let it go. Um, later that day, they announced, uh, the NHL announced it was fining the Blackhawks $2 million for their inadequate internal procedures and insufficient and untimely response to the handlings um, of Brad Aldridge's employment um, during 2010. $2 million seems like a complete slap in the face to us as fans and most importantly to Kyle Beach and all the victims that Brad Aldrich has has um, victimized in his you know in his tenure um so there was that um last week beach did come forward as john doe um, on a on an interview on tsn um he is currently playing um in germany he's playing um, professional hockey in germany so he does have a job but um you know he he it was very brave of him to come out and he went so far as to apologize to the other victims of brad uh, of brad aldrich which you know brought a lot of (laughs) brought almost a tear to my eye because there's no reason that Kyle beach should be apologizing for anything. Um, on October 28th, the day after, um, the day after all of this kind of came down, Quenville did resign. Unfortunately, Quenville did get to get to, get that did get to coach another game on the Wednesday before, which seems insane to me. I think he should have been completely told to stand down for that one game, um, down in Florida, but nonetheless, he did, he did coach and he did, he did end up resigning. Um, He's the the coach that I once considered one of the greatest coaches in in the modern era. And unfortunately, he had no regard for his players. Um, And as it stands now, um, the only other individual that was in that meeting was um, assistant GM at the time, uh, Kevin Chevaldeoff, who is now the GM of the Winnipeg Jets. Um, The NHL has deemed him not a major part of the incident uh, and not in a position to not in a position of power to have done anything substantial. So he currently was not asked to resign and he currently does hold his job. Um, A bizarre, a bizarre move by the NHL, but nonetheless, a move that was made. And we're finding out now that um, the NHL PA head Donald fear is in the midst of, um, you know, fighting for his job because I think that he was a big part of the incident as well. There, I can't imagine that the NHL PA did not know it sounds like the NHLPA did know, and they did nothing to to protect the players, which is insane because the NHLPA is literally the players' association. So there are many heads there that um, would really give a care re- would really care about the the way that the head of that um, uh, organization would treat their their constituents. So I know that was a long story, um, but I just wanted to say Kyle, to Kyle Beach directly. I mean, you're that what you did was one of the most brave things i've ever seen a, a professional hockey player do i mean hockey players are really kind of known for being you know soft-spoken but, you know not really caring about you know their their own well-being but well more so the well-being of others and but it but what he did to bring this up to to kind of bring this up and bring this about i think saved will save if it hasn't already saved a lot of people's lives down the road um and it's something that unfortunately as as a you know as a As humanity and as a society, we need to do better to make sure that we are taking care of, you know, the humans on this planet, you know, there there are there are more things that are more important than hockey, basketball, baseball, doesn't matter if it's a World Series doesn't matter if it's a Stanley Cup doesn't matter if it's an Olympic gold medal I don't, it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, we're all humans. And um, it was very, very tragic. What what Kyle beach had to deal with. And unfortunately this isn't the last time that we'll probably ever hear about this type of incident. Um, this is just one of those. Um, and it, it's very unfortunate that it, it had to, he had to live with this pain for 10 years and 11 years. And it's only just beginning because now, now his story is out there with his name tied attached to it. And, um, he'll forever, <clears throat> he'll forever have to have to bear that weight for the rest of his life. But I just wanted to, to hand it off to the guys to give their perspective, uh, I know I've taken up a lot of time, but um, Alex, I just wanted to know your your thoughts about the incident. If there, you know, is there anything that kind of, you know, speaks to you or, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I don't think Kyle had to come out and say it was him. I think that's obvious. like if he wanted to keep that private, you know, I think he had every right to do that, but, and that he did, um, you know, incredibly courageous and brave. Um, it does seem like the, um, support for him doing, you know, saying he was John Doe, um, has been pretty incredible around both the NHL and, you know, sports universe in general. Um, you know, something that I saw, like kind of got lost in this is like, he was a, uh, the 11th pick in the draft. And like, I'm, there was a bunch of, obviously at the time, no one really knew what was going on, but there was a bunch of tweets, you know, back in like 2010, 2011, 2012, like what a big bust he was. Um, You know, I think as general sports fans and obviously, you know, as podcasters and people that take in a lot of sports, you know, if your favorite player is struggling or some huge prospect doesn't pan out, you just never know what's going on behind the scenes. So like for Kyle, obviously something very traumatic happened um and you know who knows how how that affected his playing ability i feel like it probably did at least somewhat um if if not a whole lot so um it's it's pretty disappointing um i feel like the you know we're getting more and more of these like type of stories which i you know i guess in a good way at least like it's coming out and the people that are responsible are being um you know they're finally getting their justice, I guess. Um, Joe Quenville, like that's pretty disappointing for you. Florida Panthers fans, um, this is real shitty because you're having a great start to the year. And now you're losing, you know, Joe Quenville should not have coached that game. He, you know, should have been, you know, let go or resigned or whatever. He should not have been behind the bench that night. You know, hopefully for Panthers fans and the team, like they can rally because obviously this kind of has nothing to do with their 2021 season. But, um, you know, Kyle, at least you got your, your story is out there. The support seems to be almost all positive and, you know, things are finally happening and you're getting your, your justice. And I don't really follow German hockey leagues, but I hope you're having a great season.
0: Yeah. I think we all, I think that comes from everyone here. Uh, Tyler, did you have any thoughts before, you know, before I kind of wrap it up?
2: Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, um, the fact that this happened at that time doesn't really surprise me um, with kind of the culture that it was back then. And, you know, the, the policies and procedures that are in place today um, weren't, what, weren't what they were back then. Doesn't obviously excuse any of the actions taken by any of the Blackhawk members, but it doesn't surprise me. I, unfortunately, I also see it every day in, in my work that, you know, winning takes priority over sometimes the player's well-being. And it's really unfortunate that that's kind of the culture and that's kind of what drives a lot of, you know, GMs, coaches, that's all they care about. You know, they say they care about the players, but at the end of the day, some, I'm not saying all coaches like this. Most of them are very great um, across any level of sports, but there unfortunately are a lot of bad apples. And um, fortunately, We've learned a lot from these stories the last few years, and fortunately, a lot of changes are being made in throughout the sports world on, on every level to prevent things from like this ever happening again. Um, so, thankfully, you know Kyle Beach was able to share his story, and that it just adds more fuel to, I think, what's a really good movement in sports in general. Um, unfortunately, there's been a lot of victims of this. What's crazy to me is, you know, you know, re- re- reading the timeline of the story, um, the fact that the the Blackhawks. Uh, system failed and didn't report this and didn't immediately do anything um, to help their player, which is already bad enough. But the fact that they still kept that guy on the team after they knew what he had done is mind-blowing to me. Like that's, to me, it's just unbelievable. Uh, the fact that he was with the team during the celebrations of, for, for the Stanley Cup and, you know, he went on to, you know, hurt a lot more people after that happened and the Blackhawks could have nipped it in the bud right then and there, you know, it took, I think it was not until three years afterwards that he finally get caught by police until he was arrested. I think until he finally was brought to justice. And then that sense, but you know, you could have stopped three years of sexual harassment had you done the right thing in the first place. And that's really what it's all about at the end of the day is when something like this happens is to prevent it from happening ever again. Um, so hopefully that does happen. And, you know, I think you are seeing a lot more changes, uh, in sports, um, you know, and, and it makes, you know, I have to do the online sexual harassment training at work every year and sometimes I have to roll my eyes when I came do this again, but then you hear stories like this and like, that's why we do it. It's it's so that you're educated and you know what to do if something comes up and it's it's super important. So um, I think that's kind of my, my biggest takeaway. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm not surprised, unfortunately that this did happen, but I think fortunately there are a lot of good changes that are happening um, lately um so hopefully that that continues and like I said to Kyle Beach and his friends and family like all the support and all the all the all 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 the love you can get from all this stuff
0: yeah I think you guys are I think you guys are right on right on the head there and I guess to to kind of conclude um you know I I kind of want to echo what coach John Tortorella who's actually former NHL coach John Tortorella said and he was he's pretty disgusted by this entire incident and he and he asked the members what if it was your 20 year old was the victim here. And I think, I think for some reason that we dehumanize people in, 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 in the worst kind of ways um, in times where, I mean, you should never, you should never feel dehumanized or, or not that you don't exist. And that is something that, 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 that is something that Kyle Beach has said he he felt like he did not exist during that entire, during that entire, um, you know, fallout. And, um, it is unfortunate for anyone to feel that way, uh, whether it's, you know, signs of the stuff that we've talked about on this podcast before, or in, in these cases in a sexual harassment, um, situation and, um, to all the victims that Kyle beach you you will f- hopefully save and will save. Um, you know, thank you for your, for your, for your courage and, um, and just everybody just needs to use this. If anything, use this situation as an- yet another, um, learning, learning, um, um, experience. And, uh, hopefully this, this better never happen again. Unfortunately it will, but hopefully we can nip it in the bud, like Tyler mentioned. Um, I, sorry, that was so long, um, needed to get that out. It's been a long week. Um, <laughs> thinking about that. Um, even that, even just reading the report was enough for me, it was enough to shake me up. So, um, I'm glad I got that off my chest. Um, when we come back, we're going to lighten it up. We're going to talk about um, some basketball. Um, since Alex is back, thank God. Um, we haven't talked about basketball in many, many weeks. And then after that, we're going to end with some real serious talk and some PETA scandal. We'll get there later. And we're back. We lighten it up a bit. We took a little bit of a break. We're back. We're going to talk about basketball. There's some pretenders and contenders out there. I know it's early, but Alex, what do you got?
1: Yeah, you know, yeah. So you know, Tyler does your his O dams trade, and you do your O pucks or whatever the fuck you call them. <laughs> um, and I, you know, that's kind of what I did last year. And we'll probably get back to that. Is you know, kind of going through like three or four like major storylines for like the past week in the NBA. Um, but after you know what we just talked about, I feel like let's switch to some positive things. So let's talk about some teams. You know, we're you know, two, two and a half weeks into the season here. Let's talk about some teams that have had hot starts. Um, obviously, again, very early. You know, most teams have played like seven, six or seven games. Um, but we're gonna play contenders or pretenders. So I got six teams. We're just gonna go through them. They've all had, you know, decent starts. Some, you know, either weren't playoff teams last year. Or like barely squeaked into the playoffs last year, and have had and have had good starts. Um, so let's start with the New York Knickerbockers. So we talked about it last year a ton. They were a surprise team. You know, they ended up um, being a four seed, and uh, last year lost in the first round, unfortunately. James, um, even though you're not here, fake Knicks fan or whatever. Uh, but the Knicks are five. The Knicks are five and two. To start this season, there—that's the—that gets you the three seed in the East. Um, Tyler, let's start with you. We're—I mean, again, we're all—all all of us are going to talk about them. So just real quick, are the Knicks—and you, you can even say somewhere in between—are they legit contenders? Are they pretenders? Is this just a hot start, or are they some other word that rhymes with "ers" in the middle <laughs> there that I don't—I can't.
2: Yeah. Uh, so, for in my mind, I think the Knicks are contenders. I mean, you saw them last year, obviously a shortened season, um, but I think this Knicks team uh, in this Eastern Conference will contend for sure. Uh, that Kemba Walker, Derrick Rose combo is off to a really good start. It seems like I think it's working out really well for them. Uh, so I like what that's looking like. Uh, they're a great three-point shooting team. They're second in the league in three-point field goals made and percentage so they can shoot the three ball very very well which is a big deal in today's NBA um, so they're off to a great start you know they, they they played very well last year and I think that they'll continue doing that I think this team is going to build off the confidence and success they had last season uh, I I see this team as a con- contender for sure
1: okay trading same same question
2: yeah
0: I mean it's early I'm, I'm gonna pump the brakes a little bit I'm gonna look at their schedule I mean they've had they've had two games against the Magic who are like Eh. uh they've had the pelicans who are eh they lost to the raptors who are really eh, in my opinion i mean they're okay but they, you know they, since since Lowry left I, th- I don't think they're they've been the same they're they're kind of in a rebuild mode kind of re- reframing them themselves uh and then i look at then i look at you know their stats and and, and they and they actually look pretty good uh, you know uh from three from three they're doing really well uh although from all although sh- shots inside the line not they're they're they're, they're doing eh um, they're not really great on the rebound side, which in my opinion, I think is a, is, a, is an important stat down the road. And I just wonder if they're going to be able to hold, hold up against, you know, better teams. Um, they're, you know, the, the amount of possessions they have per, per game is not, is in the lower end of the spectrum, which again, if you're not having the ball, you, you're not going to be able to, to compete against these, you know, juggernauts, um, you know, in the, in the, um in the league. So I, I just like kind of pump the brakes and just see, kind of see how they go in against better teams. They play the bucks on the fifth. See how that goes.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of leaning more towards trading. Um, you know, the bucks speaking of that have had kind of a bad start They're three and four to start the season defending NBA champs. Um, it, it feel, the Knicks feel like a playoff team, the Kemba Walker, Julius Randall, um, Derek Rose, like this team is good. Uh, I just don't know if they're like elite contenders in the eastern conference like i feel like if at the end of the season the knicks were the eastern conference champ that would be a that would be a surprise they feel like a playoff team they don't really feel like a full-on nba finals contender but i guess tyler i can also see what you're saying like they are a contender in the eastern conference i guess is like a better way to put it but great start for the knicks they had a huge win opening night against the celtics uh double overtime game so hopefully they keep it rolling Uh, moving on to another team in the Eastern conference, the Chicago Bulls are six and one. Now they had over the last couple of years have pretty much redone their entire roster. Um, Zach Levine is the star Um, Nikola Vucevic. um, They traded for and, or kind of like sign and trade for both Lonzo ball and DeMar DeRozan. They're six and one right now. When I sent the text, to the group, um, you know, even though James and Eric are not here, they're still a part of the group text. Uh, James responded very, very quickly and said, the Bulls are contenders. And I told James, shut the fuck up. You're not a part of this. You're not here. <laughs> so, <laughs> Traden, right the Bulls. Um, we talked about them in our season previews that, you know, they felt like a team that didn't make the playoffs last year, that probably had one of the better shots of making the playoffs this year. Great start. Oh, my God. I didn't even mention Alex Caruso, the GOAT. Um the Chicago Bulls are they like full on contenders or is this also just been like a really hot start?
0: Look, the word contender means that they're like a like a playoff contender. No, sorry, James, they're not a contender in that sense. Look, they're ha- I think they're having a hot start. They don't shoot enough from three. It's sh- it's shown they don't they don't have the the amount of uh threes close to the uh to the um the league. They're actually at the league bottom, even though they have the most the highest percentage. They're just not shooting enough, which we're at, when you play, sh- you know, more shooter friendly teams, you're going to lose just on a mathematical basis. It's just proven. Um, the rebounds are, are terrible. Like they're low. They're the lowest in, in, on both ends. And again, I know that, I know I'm not the b- basketball guy, but I, that I, that's something I look, look at, um, you know, just in terms of a possession type of standpoint and, and, and lo and behold, they're on the, the low end of their possessions per, uh, per game. So Look, I think, I think they're actually really – they're a good team, and I think this is the best that we've seen the Chicago Bulls. I still am going to hold off – this is a big week for the Bulls, right? They have two games back-to-back – or it's not back-to-back, but they have two games in a row against um, the 76ers, and then they play the Nets, the Mavericks, and the Warriors, um, all that within the next um, week and a half. Those – five games are huge because you're playing very, very good, very, very good teams. If you consider the Warriors, a good, uh, a good team, a Mavericks, a good team. And then the nets are the nets. Um, this is their test. If they can make it through here um, and then even go to LA and kick some ass in LA, then we'll talk about a contender. But again, let's just pump the brakes a little bit.
1: Yeah. After hearing that schedule, it would not surprise me in a week and a half for two weeks however long it is that they be six and six. <laughs> like They could lose. They could realistically lose all five of those games. Um, Tyler, same thing, contenders, pretenders somewhere in the middle.
2: Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go pretenders as well on this one. Um, they're, they're not a super efficient offensive team. They're not horrible, but they're also not really that great. And defensively, they're, they're a little bit better defensively than they're offensively. They're fairly consistent. Um, they do both consistently at their level and they actually do have the fifth best net net rating in the league, which is probably their best stat that they can offer. But other than that, I'm not, I don't know. There, I, I think the depth is a little bit of a concern for this team. You're already seeing some 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 injuries there. Um, I don't know. I, I think this team has potential to be a contender down the line. I think come trade deadline, they're going to be a really interesting team if they're you know close to a, a, a playoff spot. Um, they're definitely going to be a team to watch at, at the trade deadline. If they can add a piece here and there, I think they definitely can be considered contenders. But I don't think they're quite there. I, I, I was really 50, 50 on this, on on this Bulls team. They've got put some potential, but in terms of like really, really look at this team from a detailed perspective, I don't really see this lasting. I think it's just a really good start. I think that gives them a lot of confidence. I think that'll help them in the long run, but I think at season's end, I don't know that this Bulls team as they are established right now is going to be a contender.
1: Yeah, there's not, there's definitely not enough shooting um, on that Bulls team at all. I mean, um ball has never been a shooter, Levine's never really been a shooter. DeRozan can be, but he's never been like a like lights out shooter. Caruso's never been really a shooter. So like they feel like a a team that like they're they're unbelievably gifted as a like individual players. Obviously, it's come together very well to start. Um I think they can, I think they can mesh and become somewhat of a contender there's the other thing is like there are big question marks with like what were the big three last year in the Eastern Conference the Ben Simmons situation in Philly is nowhere close to being figured out the Kyrie Irving situation in Brooklyn is nowhere close to being figured out and as we saw with the Lakers last year going back to back so for the Bucks, that's really tough I think the Bucks are probably in the best position out of those three bringing most of their teams those guys back so like I think the bulls are closer to being like legit contenders maybe than the Knicks are, but things have to fall really well for them. And they're going to have to, you know, maybe figure something else out, get some shooters at that trade deadline. Um, Feels like a, it feels like a playoff team, but it wouldn't all, it wouldn't surprise me all that much either. If it just kind of imploded partway through the season. So uh, James, you can fuck off uh moving <laughs> moving on to Tyler's Washington Wizards who snuck into the playoffs last year and we all shat on him and then they ended up making it huge offseason for them obviously traded away Russell Westbrook um, to the Lakers got back Kuzma KCP Trez um they're five and two also to start the season um I think we all sort of as we're doing our previews sort of assumed the wizards would maybe be fighting for like a play in spot. Again, there were also questions if Bradley Beal was even going to stick around, if they were just going to like do a whole big rebuild, they obviously didn't go that direction. So Tyler, the Washington wizards pretenders contenders,
2: contenders, man. I like this team. I don't know what I, I, I think I got handed this team because I was like the last person to respond to one of those uh, chats the other day. And ever since then, this team's has been in a role. So like, I, I like this wizards team. Uh, the pieces they got from the Westbrook trade are playing very well. And they seem to complement the pieces that they had already, especially with Bradley Beal. Uh, they look good. They got a lot of hustle, man. They, they're a great rebounding team. They put in a lot of hard, hard work. I think they found something late last season. And I think that's transferred over to the season, even though they, they lost Westbrook who was a big, a, a big name player in that team. I think the core of this team and, and their philosophy Something clicked last year, and I think that's definitely followed through. Um, I think you're seeing that with the, with the new group of guys. And as I said, like, you know, I think a bulk of this team did, did, did return, and especially led by uh, Bradley Beal. Uh, I like this team. I think they're contenders. Trayden. Uh They're
0: pretenders. I mean, they're kind of all over the place. I mean, they've had a couple high-scoring wins, a couple ugly wins or ugly, uh, a couple of ugly losses. It's just kind of like all over the place. Um, they are five and zero, oh, but Bradley Beal's field goal percentage is 39.5. That's 36 among players with at least hundred goal field goal attempts. Um, and I, I just think,
2: That'll huh? That'll get better. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, uh, it probably will be. Let's be real. <laughs> and imagine when it gets better. Huh? Um,
0: Russell Westbrook has, they, their, their, their possessions, their possessions have gone down since uh, Russell Westbrook jo- uh, left uh, I, I, you know, I, again, this is a team that they've kind of, their, their, their competition hasn't been all, all electric. I mean, the Celtics have been really bad. I mean, I, they haven't been great. Um, they have beat the Hawks twice. So that's another team that James really likes and they beat them twice. I don't, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, they went, they went one and one there. Um, they play the Raptors Grizzlies and then the bucks on Sunday. We'll see how that goes. Is this an easy schedule? No, not necessarily, but they did get completely sh- uh, mollywopped by the net. So I, I just, I don't, I, I just don't feel it. Don't feel it yet. Don't <laughs> hey, feel the magic.
1: Sometimes, sometimes that's what it's about. It's not always about numbers and who you beat and who you didn't beat. Sometimes it's just a gut feeling. That was kind of what Tyler did with them last year. He, there was no reason for him to say they were going to make the playoffs. It was a gut feeling, but you're, I, I think they are also pretenders um, especially watching Kuzma and KCP over the last three or four years, you know, quite a bit, being a Lakers fan, they can look really good for like five games and you're like, okay, yeah, yeah. And then the next 10, you're like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Kuz, Kuz will end up scoring like four points. You're like, dude, how are you this bad again? I think this team is going to have a lot of peaks and valleys um, with their season. This may just be one of those peaks. Um, I do. I think they're going to end up fitting somewhere into that play-in game. Um, I don't feel like they're a top sixteen, you know, to kind of avoid those that play-in tournament. So, um, you know, especially with the teams that are under, like underneath them, Brooklyn, Atlanta, Milwaukee, maybe Boston, maybe Indiana. Those, you know, those two last teams have been playing pretty shit to begin this season. But, um, I think th- I think the Wizards are pretenders in the fact that I don't think they'll end up a four seed like they are right now, but contenders that they can be fighting for the playoff or play in game. Um, Moving on to the last one in the Eastern conference, I picked six teams. Uh, It was kind of tough to like find really specific ones, but um, the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, So they, well, when I texted the boys, they were five and two, they've since lost a game. So now they're five and three. Um, Same thing. They made the play in tournament last year um they did not come out of that tournament um trade-in so the charlotte hornets super fun team to watch pretenders or contenders
0: yeah it's super fun when you're not a fan of the hornets but when you are you're you're watching them get completely fucking shit canned in the first in the first half of the game they have been outscored 14.2 points per 100 possessions in the first half of games but their second half is the league's best so it's like oh we're going to wait. We're going to wait to play. And then we're going to play. Does anybody think that's sustainable? It's not. It's not going to fucking work. I mean, you have to come out at the beginning and play a full basketball game. It's like that. In hockey, it's like that. In football, it's like that. In every fucking sport, you can't take halves or quarters off. So, look, it's it's very fun when – I mean, when you're at the game, you're like, oh, piss. And then you get to watch them have a huge comeback. I mean, it – their, their last game against Portland was their first of their seven that they didn't trail by double digits, guys. Like, it's not they're not going to be able to come back from that ever, like for that much longer. So,
2: I'm going to say Pretenders. Tyler? Yeah, I mean this team is very, very fast paced. They're so fast. Did you know that the NBA tracks like average speed of players during a game and they accumulate that and you can tell which team's the fastest in the league? The Hornets are second fastest in the league, I believe, behind only the San Antonio Spurs. So this team plays real fast, uh, but they're off to an amazing start offensively. They're first in the league in points per game, first in the league in three-point field goals made, and first in the league in three-point percentage. So this team knows how to score. Defensively, not very disciplined. uh, A lot of issues on that side of the ball, and I think that's going to contribute to a lot of ups and downs throughout the season. But as Alex Alex mentioned, they are really fun to watch. Uh, If you like scoring, this Charlotte Hornets team is a really fun one to watch. Uh, So I'm kind of on the fence with this team. They were on the fence last year. I do think that they're going to be better this year. I think we didn't mention the preseason. I I don't know if I had them or if I mentioned this, but I do think they're going to be better this season. Um, Contenders, not quite ready to say contenders, but really close though. This team's got a lot of of talent, a lot of potential. Um, But obviously I think from the fundamental part of championship basketball, which is defense, they just aren't quite there yet. So that that needs to get better, but man, this team knows how to score and they're one of the best. They are currently the best in the league in scoring. So you have to give some nod to that.
1: I'm gonna go contenders. And here's why. Nothing about numbers. It's more of a gut thing. And it's it's more of like there's always in every in every league, doesn't matter football, basketball, hockey, baseball, does not matter. There's always a team or two that's like takes a step forward like a year too early. That we're always thinking about, oh man, they're gonna be good like 2022, 2023, like the Giants this year. We knew they were gonna be, they're gonna be good in baseball. We knew they were gonna be good in the next couple of years. All of a sudden, they were like, let's just win 107 games. (laughs) That's what I kind of feel like this Hornets team could do. Like we kind of saw them coming last year, and then all of a sudden, it wouldn't surprise me if they were just like, you know what? Let's just score at an unbelievable pace and play zero defense kind of like what the nets did last year and just end up a four seed somehow. So I'm going to go contenders. It, this could 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 come back to bite me in the ass for sure, but I'm going to go contenders for the Charlotte Hornets. Um, Also, also just like that franchise has been pretty lowly for the last, like forever. So I'm kind (laughs) of just like for Charlotte fans, I hope it just, it just kind of gets better for you. Um, Okay, we're moving on to two teams in the Western Conference now. Western Conference was a little tougher to pick um, because when you're looking at the teams that are like starting off pretty strong, most of them are like, okay, yeah, those are good teams. Um, Definitely, if you're looking at at the standings in those top six, there's one team that stands out, and that's the Minnesota Timberwolves. Granted, they've only played five games. They're three and two. Um, They have a lot of individual talent. They've been a pretty disappointing franchise the last little bit. Uh, so, Tyler, the Minnesota Timberwolves, pretenders or contenders?
2: Yeah, a surprisingly really good defensive team. Uh, fourth in the league in defensive rating. I think that's why you've seen the success from Minnesota so far. But uh, I think they're pretenders. Look, I mean, this team, for whatever reason, they just can't seem to really figure things out for pretty much their entire existence. Um, they have a lot of talent uh, for sure. I think this team's going to be better than they were um, looking at, you know, doing the segment and, and doing the research, the NBA.com has got some really interesting stats. Uh, they are first in the league in one thing. They are first in the league in points per game from first round picks or for, yeah, first round picks. So <laughs> their first wow. round picks that they have as a, as a team are the best in the NBA. So that's that's interesting. That's interesting. I just thought that was interesting. So second only to the Los Angeles Lakers. So uh, interesting Wait, first
1: overall picks or just first round picks in general.
2: First round picks in general. Okay. Yeah. First round picks in general. They lead the league with on points per game from first round picks that are on their team they some there if you if you if you're a big stats guy go to nba.com and look at their stats section it's phenomenal actually i, I actually really enjoy looking through those
1: eric but, when you listen to this later that's for you yeah uh, <laughs> yeah, big, big numbers, yeah
2: but uh yeah for me they're, they're, they're contenders I, I i just don't see how this team's gonna contend in that conference right now
1: trade
0: same question you couldn't
2: even be more of a pretender if you
0: try <laughs> look I'll give you, t- I'll give you that Tyler. They do have uh, a number four defensive rating. That's, that's all they got. They, they are shitty shooting. They can't shoot everything on the offensive side of the ledger is mediocre at best to shitty. And on top of that, they now I know that this game is, is a big three game and then it's everyone behind this. They magnify this. There, there is nothing after D'Angelo Russell. There's fucking nothing. Zero. And that is a big fucking issue. Uh, I just, just know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So Tyler, the first round pick stat is really interesting, mm-hmm. especially because in the NBA, there's only two rounds in the draft. There's the first round and the second round, and that's it. <laughs> like, it's not like baseball where there's 30 rounds or whatever. So that is really funny. Yeah, Um, because like most teams have a lot of first round picks so that is like it's kind of an interesting stat Um, but they do have two former number one overall picks in Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards and a number two overall pick in D'Angelo Russell you're right Tyler I don't know why this team can never figure it out Um, just other than like a couple years with like Kevin Garnett and Kevin Love they were kind of good but You know, A-Rod's part owner now, we learned last year, so maybe something will change. But, um, yeah, they're pretenders, especially in the Western Conference where, um, you know, there are teams below them that are going to be better at the end of the season. I just thought the fact that they had started strong was kind of interesting. And then the very last team, um, the Sacramento Kings. And I'm going to give this as a caveat a little bit. My contenders means can they make the play-in? Like that's, that's their, like their highest expectation anyway. They're three and three. I just wanted to give them a little bit of love because it's very similar to the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Sacramento Kings have pretty much been shit for the last two decades. Like since we were kids and they were battling the Lakers, you know, Peja Stojakovic, Chris Weber, Mike Bibby, those type of years, they've been pretty bad. Um, So Tyler, I don't know. I can't remember what order we're going in anymore. Sacramento Kings are three and three. Can they make the play in tournament as contenders in that, in that little aspect right there? Nah. dude. <laughs>
2: Sacramento Kings we're talking about here. Yeah. Three and three. Congratulations. Uh, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's going to get much better. I mean, like there's really no, there's nothing to look at this team. You're like, okay, they can, con- no, just no.
1: Okay. So, pretenders hard. to even finish as the 10 seed in the West.
0: yeah hard no hard pass. okay trading so <laughs> you know how when we did sat training and they told us if you're running out of time you just answer a question because they don't give you any points for a blank answer that's <laughs> what alex did with these last two picks he's like fuck so, it i'm running out of time i'm just gonna pick two fucking teams yep. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I, I'm, that's why That's why i'm gonna chalk it up to it that, that that's my answer that's my answer <laughs>
1: yeah Okay, well, part of it is, like, you look at the Western Conference, Utah's good, Golden State's good, Dallas is good, the Lakers are good, Memphis is good. Then it's, like, Denver, Portland, and Phoenix, like, those are good. (laughs) And then, like, the other teams that are at the bottom, you're like, okay, the Rockets are shit, the Thunder is shit, the Pelicans are shit, the San Antonio Spurs are shit, the Clippers are pretty (laughs) depressing. So, like, I kind of had to just, like, pick some ones. I didn't want to do all Eastern Conference. Fair enough. Um, I feel like the Kings, speaking of those teams that are below them, In that, in those 11 through 15, the Kings are definitely better than the Rockets, the Thunders, and the Pelts, especially with Zion out for some more amount of time. San Antonio, I have no idea what's going on there. They feel very strange. And without um, Kawhi Leonard, the Clippers seem to be kind of all over the place, um, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on who you are a fan of. So I think the Kings do have a shot of making that play in, tournament that doesn't even technically count as the playoffs so even if they make it in there and then lose they don't really make the playoffs and they'll extend their like 20 year long streak or however long it is but because my fiance's family is from sacramento they have season tickets to the kings now i hope they at least play better for them um good good luck kings fans i guess we
0: we, i i'll give them this they did lose to the lakers i'm gonna say that i beat the lakers that's that that's pretty good but the lakers are have kind of been uh,
1: right hey lakers so. are four and three that's a winning record i'm gonna take it
0: yeah, yeah. It, it was a little hey, shaky yeah, don't yeah, tell me yeah, all we're right. thinking
1: um <laughs> okay those are my pretenders and contenders uh next week we'll probably get back to kind of a more typical you know what's going on in the nba um but trading that is that's it
0: All right. That was that was fun. Um, Good banter there. And James, look, the Bulls are actually good. Let's just be real. They are good. Um, Just maybe not. Actually, I think they're going to make the play in term. We can say that if that if we knew that caveat, I probably would have said contender. I'll get I'll I I changed my answer. I I thought the caveat was like a playoff guy.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, The caveat was just for the Kings.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs>
0: then, <Yeah>. Never mind. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk. Um, PETA's bringing up some other bullshit again. And more importantly, the World Series. So uh, when we come back.
3: With health concerns on the rise, it's as important as ever to keep your people safe. Dimer isn't another BS COVID company, they've been developing their tech to kill germs and save lives since 2014. Dimer's original UBC products have won them partnerships with some of the best technology companies in the country and earned them a spot on Time Magazine's Best Inventions of 2020. Dimer started out disinfecting airplanes. Now they're in hospitals, athletic facilities, hotels, classrooms, basically anywhere people might have been sick. When it comes to keeping your players, employees, guests, and customers in your facility safe, trust Dimer. For TLDR listeners, they are offering free disinfection as a service in select areas. So that means they will come disinfect your facility for free. You can take them up on this offer by visiting dimeruv.com and at dimeruv on social media. Use code TLDR for your first disinfection as a service appointment for free. That's dimer like diner with an M as in Mike Trout. Ever heard of him? Kill more germs, prevent more infections, save more lives. D-I-M-E-R-U-V dot com.
0: And we're back. Speak ironically speaking of bullshit. Um <laughs> i mean PETA's in the uh in baseball news and i know it's not i know we're not doing the mlbo dams really it's just world series talk but that was a pretty interesting story tyler um we also got to talk about this crazy world series um i thought it was over and it's not it's like not at all so uh, tyler go ahead man
2: yeah so i guess we'll we'll, we'll start off with the with the pita news um you know, all, every, every year of the World Series, you know, there's a there's big media around like about baseball, like what what could be better? What's controversial? You know, they've talked about the, the Braves arm chop thing. And if that's, you know, should we do that or not? That was a whole discussion. But easily by far away, the, the biggest headline the one that dragged the most attention was PETA. You know, the, the for those who don't know, it's the animal rights organization that, you know, uh, advocates for animals. They they are claiming that the term bullpen is offensive and that the MLB should stop using that term uh, and instead use the term arm barn uh, to for the for those that don't know what a bullpen is the bullpen is the area where the pitchers warm up before the game and where the relievers literally just sit in the bullpen um, while while they're waiting to potentially go into the game. Uh, people have been calling bullpens forever. For those that don't know the the from why it's called the bullpen, it's not officially. No one really knows for sure, but the but the the guess is that it started in the early 1900s. Uh, there was a uh, uh, tobacco company. Uh, I can't remember what it was called specifically, but I know there was a bull in the name, and their mascot was a bull. And so they had a lot of signage up in a lot of different uh, areas of the stadiums, and a lot of them would be right under the the, the bullpen or where the pitchers warmed up. And so that's kind of where the term bullpen came from because they were always warming up in the shadow of this giant bull from this tobacco company. So that's typically, that's kind of where the term bullpen come, came from. And we've been using it for literally over a hundred years. Uh, and I don't even think of like an actual animal when I call it the bullpen. Like in my term, the bullpen is just literally where the mound is, where pitchers go warm up. Um, so, you know, PETA just trying to get attention. You might say that, but I will give them credit the alternative name that they came up with is a plus material. I think arm barn is a phenomenal name. And I honestly think it might gain some traction just because I think that, I think everyone kind of likes the name arm barn. It's kind of makes way more sense for what it actually is. Um, and it still is, you know, a barn is where animals are, but you know, typically they are not getting slaughtered in a barn, but in a bullpen, that's kind of what happens. So it's a little more friendlier towards animals. Uh, but Alex, you know, what do you yeah. got on this whole armbar barn PETA thing? Like, are you going to start using armbar? Are you thinking just bullshit? Like, what do you got?
1: Uh, okay, so the, I did not know the origins of the term bullpen. My guess would have been it would be like, a, um, like the bulls that are going to be ridden at a rodeo and how they're kind of held in that pen before, like, the clowns oh. let them out, you know, and you're trying to do your eight seconds or whatever. That would have been my guess. Hmm. Only baseball – would something be named after a tobacco company from like 120 years ago? Like that is so baseball. It hurts a little bit. Um, like PETA, I'm sure you do some great things for animals around the States or the world or wherever your reach is, but you also do a bunch of dumb shit on Twitter. Like constantly people are just bashing PETA because they're like over the top excessiveness a little bit. Um, I'm probably never going to not call it the bullpen. It's, you know, it's like refer- referring to the um, Washington football team as the Redskins. It will probably still slip out at points because it's just tough to relearn. Um, but I a hundred percent agree with you. Arm barn sounds great. I kind of dig it. I may start using it if I remember this, like when the next season comes around, but there's also like a pretty good chance by February or March of next year, I have forgotten completely about this PETA bullpen situation, but I do like Arm Barn. Congratulations, PETA, on coming up with that. Um, but yeah, I also never think of like the animal, it's just where the guys sit and warm up before they come in. Like, that's all I ever think about. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know, PETA, I don't know what you're doing.
2: Yeah, trade I mean, I think you have to agree with kind of what Alex just said there. Like, no one's really thinking about and anim- when they read you. Do- when you say bullpen, you're not thinking of an animal, you're just that's just worth the pit. So, like, no one is really thinking that except for PETA. But I don't know, what do you think, trade?
0: Yeah, it's P- PETA is grasping, and here, here's where they're really grasping. They, they're actually saying that the term bullpen actually devalues talented players. I'm not sure that Kenley Jansen feels uh devalued by anyone other than his own fans I mean, that's it yeah that's it i mean i don't think he i don't think he cares that he's warming up in what was considered a bullpen however um if if you're going to change the name to an art barn you they they need to make the bullpens barns i mean you need to have barns in the fucking in there with big windows but i mean you have to i mean it's it only make things better um yeah what like oh my god <laughs> well here's the thing it, it, it's a it's a it's a it's a terrible reasoning for finding out about even a better name for something that's that's unfortunate like which is why didn't someone think of this earlier just in a more like like normal way yeah,
2: yeah. The, the, <laughs> the, the the responses on twitter have been pretty great uh one of one of them, my favorites was uh a guy photoshopped uh uh, like literally like a, like a barn, like yes. as, as the bullpen. And it was like, I will call it arm barn as long as the bullpens look like this. And it's literally just like a Photoshop barn house in the middle of the, of the uh, yeah. stands there. So there's, this pretty, how about fun- the
0: football guy that said that he talked to the cows Yeah, and, they, and, and that, said, they, and they're that they fine. don't care.
2: Yeah, they don't care. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's honestly more amusing than anything else. Um, I'm honestly probably going to call it the arm barn a couple of times just because it's, I, I think it's funny. Um, but yeah, we'll see if it gains any traction, but usually with these things, they, they're, they're, they're kind of like shooting stars. They burn for a good amount of time. People are like, Ooh, that's interesting. And then people forget. And then it's just whatever, but hey, you never know. It's, it's a, it's a weird fucking world world we live in now. Um, but let's get to the actual baseball. It's still going on. I was kind of hoping that yesterday would have been the last game of the season. Uh, I mentioned, Last week, James and I both wanted the Braves to win in five games that they would win on their home field. Almost happened, and I thought after the first inning, it was for sure going to happen yesterday after the Braves had a grand slam in the first inning. But the uh, Astros did come back and win that game. So the Astros are still alive as it stands heading into Tuesday's matchup. The Braves do lead the series three to two. Uh, So quick, we're just going to go a quick little recap of of kind of what's happened so far. Uh, Game one, the, the Braves won six to two uh, Jorge Soler made history. Uh, he became the first player ever to hit a home run in the first at bat of the world series. So that was pretty, pretty cool. Uh, also of note in that, in that game, Charlie Morton, uh, he is out for the series with, with a, uh, broken leg. However, he didn't do it before throwing 16 pitches with a broken leg and striking out two batters on a broken leg. What a fucking badass that guy is. Uh, unfortunately he's not going to be part of the series anymore, obviously. Uh, but that was pretty, pretty awesome uh trade and that's got i mean i know hockey players are tough but man you got to give some respect to charlie moore on that one right
0: oh yeah any any player that plays that kind of stuff you're that's that's an a plus for me
2: yeah uh game two astros won seven to two uh pretty much just a mirror image of what happened in game one you know it was just uh braves dominant game one astros dominant game two we were even going back to atlanta my dad was at game three uh super jealous he had a great great time there uh so yeah, I was, I was just jealous all day. I was really mad. I was really hoping I was I was there, but I wasn't. But my dad got to see the Braves throw a no hitter into the eighth inning, which is pretty phenomenal. That would have been an amazing moment. The Braves won that one. Uh, their pitching showed up there, won it two nothing. Go to game four. Uh, for, I think uh, the best game so far of the series, um, the uh, Braves won three, two in the seventh inning. They were down two one. They got back-to-back home runs from Dansky Swanson and Jorge Soler. Uh Alex, uh, would you agree this is probably the best, most entertaining game we've seen so far? And how about Jorge Soler? Like, possible MVP if he continues to do what he's doing?
1: Yeah, yeah I feel like if the, if the Braves – I mean, the Braves have to finish this out. Um, you know, it's he's not having some ungodly World Series where even if the Braves lose, he could still win the MVP. So, I think the Braves have to finish it out. Um, and Jorge Soler kind of feels – the guy, maybe De Swanson, he's had a pretty good um, World Series as well. I actually might have – game five might have been the best one. Um, you know, like, Grand Slam first inning, Astros come back, Freeman hits an absolute tank, uh, take the lead again, and then the Astros come back again to win game five. Both – the first three games were, like, kind of lame for World Series games. Like, there wasn't a whole lot of tension. There wasn't a whole lot of, like, oh, man, there was that one at-bat – That changed this game. It was like, nope, games one and three, the Braves pretty much just took control. Game two, the Astros took control. So it's kind of nice. At least these last two games have been more like somebody's coming back. You know, it's been more like postseason esque instead of like, oh, this is just like a game in July where somebody gets up three nothing in the first inning and everyone's like, let's just just kind of finish this game out. It's 105 and we're tired. Um, Jorge Soler feels like the MVP um they need to the braves need to stop doing the tomahawk chop or whatever the fuck it's called it's so dumb the chiefs need to stop doing it um every just everyone needs to stop doing it it's stupid they also need to stop doing the wave that has nothing to do with anything i just really fucking hate the wave (laughs) um but yeah
2: yeah i 100 percent agree with the wave and and the and the chop shit i anyone that's been to a baseball game with me uh, you know like i'm like the wave starts i'm like god fucking damn it like now i have to freaking like look over people to see what's going on i'm trying to fucking watch the game not do a wave with fifty thousand other people it's stupid uh anyway uh-huh. going back, welcome back to the world series trade-in uh just i mean just thoughts on on the on the series so far on a scale of like one to ten like how entertaining has this world series been for you um i know as a baseball fan you're fairly new to it so you haven't seen a ton of world series in your lifetime but uh like kind of, yeah where, where, where are you at with what you've seen so far
0: yeah it it's not as memorable as per, for other ones for some reason, and I'm not sure why. Um, I I just I, I, I guess I guess to Alex's point, there's just not much drama. Although I am very happy it's gonna happen uh, that the Braves are gonna win in six because that's what I said was gonna happen, and I know everything. So um, you know, there's that. Uh, <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, you know. It, I, I guess I would have liked to see a little. I, I like to see a lot more of the of the hype that we saw in Game Five. To, you know, to Alex's point, that game was kind of you know back and forth, and it really no one really really settled really in until the towards the end. Um, and to be honest, I mean, anything could have happened in that bottom of that eighth. I thought I actually thought that there was going to be a bit of a, a you know I, I thought they were going to cut the lead by two. I was hoping, obviously, we were hoping that was going to be the case in the eighth, but it never happened. Um, but I. <laughs> I can't definitively say that one team has this, like, it, it's weird because I think that at, at game three, I think that, I think the third game, the way that Astros won, I think if game three was won by the Astros, it'd be over, but the, but the Braves kind of, kind of saved it. Um, game four was, you know, whatever um, it was, a, it was an interesting one where, you know, I think, I don't know where we were, but um, I, I was busy that day and all, and we, we saw that Houston was up to zero and then all of a sudden it was three, two. That, then we saw the final and like, what the fuck? Um, but I, I don't know. I I'm, I'm hoping Tuesday's a a, a, a good one. Um, hectic fun. There's, you know, some intensity and, and that the Braves went in six. Cause I, I, like I said, I said, that was going to happen. So.
2: Yeah. I think this series as a whole, I was trying to think like, you know, it's, it's had its moments, but as it, it hasn't quite had that world series, like intensity as other words, Series in the past. And, you know a lot of those maybe i will like maybe I was disappointed that, that the Dodgers didn't make it but then I was thinking back to the Astros and Nationals and I thought that World Series was one of the best World Series that we've seen I was trying to think okay what's the difference there the Nationals beat the Dodgers that year too so it wasn't so that's kind of similar to what the Braves are this year for me personally like I think this whole thing with the bullpen pitching more innings than the starting pitching and the the devaluation of like your your aces being like main parts of the game i for me for me personally i think it's hurting the watchability of baseball especially in the uh, playoffs because you like to see those those horses in that those 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 guys go at it like i like i want to see you know that those garrett coles those verlanders those those scherzers those kershaws go head to head and battle out for at least seven innings and and, and battle at battle out against the other team's best hitters like that for me is why baseball and, and like you know, major league baseball at its best is so much fun to watch for me. Um, And you just don't get that anymore. I mean, you're, you're seeing, you're not seeing guys face, you know, a pitcher more than twice in a single game anymore. And I, I, I I mentioned last week uh, that I didn't think that we're going to get more than two starting pitchers go more than five innings. The only guy that's entered the sixth inning was max in game two. And he technically didn't record an out in the sixth inning. So he technically statistically speaking did not pitch more than five innings. We have we we have not seen we 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 we've seen a few stars go five, but we haven't seen any stars go 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 into the sixth inning, or you know go 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 past that point. Um, for me, I'm not a huge fan of it. There's obviously still the drama of you know the 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 offense and the home runs and all that stuff, and that's still great. But I don't know. I personally miss starting pitching. Alex, as my other baseball fanatic, do you agree with me, or is that or am I kind of overreacting re, reacting to that point?
1: Um, no, I, I think you're, I think you're right. Um, the constant, you know, relievers coming in and out of the games, like at least the three batter minimum has kind of like cut that down a bit, but yeah, like I want to see like a Roy halliday throw a nine inning, no hitter in the postseason. Like I want to see somebody throw like an, a, you know, eight innings of one run ball. And then their closer comes in, like, Offense is great, but, like, a really good pitching um, performance is incredible in the postseason because, like, obviously all these teams are incredibly talented. Like, it's not the 107-win Giants shitting on the 112 lost Pirates or whatever, you know? Like, all these teams are legit. So, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think part of that is just, like, neither of these teams really have that dude right now. Like Max Fried is and or Charlie Morton is probably like the closest guy. Like the Astros don't have that that guy. Like Verlander's hurt. grinky is not that guy anymore. Um, Luis Garcia, Framber Valdez, like none of those are not those types of pitchers. And like like Ian Anderson for the Braves, like he's technically a rookie still. Um, so I think that's part of it. But like I mean, even Scherzer and Bueller were only going like four and a third, maybe five. So I think it's definitely something, you know, if we hopefully don't get a work stoppage with this whole CBA issue that the, both the MLB owners and the players association are going to have to look into um, because it's, it's just not gonna, it can't continue like this or you're going to continue to, you know, have, have issues, but I guess we'll see. Yeah. uh,
2: It just, yeah, I, I I just like the starting pitching so much, and just it's it's a part of the game that we've lost over the last few years, and I I just think that's a bummer. Um, hopefully that changes. I just said like even even you know typical guys like Scherzer being pulled out in the fifth inning is just like two years ago that would have been unheard of. Like there's no fucking chance it's happening, and now it's like commonplace. I, I understand the uh, strategy behind it, as but just as a fan. I like to see those guys go is until until they just can't, you know. So, I'd rather see a guy pitch in the seventh inning and give up a two spot than see you know three different pitchers by the you know fifth inning. So, uh, you know, it's just that's just how I like it. But anyway, let's let's finish this this segment off by predicting what's going to happen here. So, we you know we're going into Game Six as I mentioned, the uh, Braves are up three three to two. They have a second chance to close out their second World Series title in franchise history on Tuesday night. If necessary, a game seven will be uh, on Wednesday. Both those games will be in Houston, uh, so still plenty of room for a lot of drama left. Uh, this series is definitely not not over. Uh, so, Trayden, I'll start with you. How do you see the the remainder of this series playing out? Are we going to get Are we going to get a game seven? Uh, the Astros going to come back? Are the Braves going to close it out tomorrow? What do you got?
0: Yeah, I've already answered this question. Uh, it's over tomorrow.
2: All right. Yeah, you did say that last. Because if i because if it's it. not,
0: then I'm wrong. And I'm That's never true. wrong.
2: That's
1: true. Alex, what do you got?
0: I'm, I'm usually wrong, but not yeah. tomorrow. <laughs>
1: um, I think the Braves have to win tomorrow. They've got Max Freed going. He's been their most consistent pitcher all season. Um, I think they're going to get it done. I think they got to come out strong um, offensively. If it goes to a game seven, I think, you know, home crowd – I guess Ian Anderson would start that for the Braves. I have no idea who's starting either of these games for the Astros, um, but it kind of feels like it would then fall into the Astros' favor if it goes to a game seven. So, and obviously, I don't want the Astros to win. I'm perfectly happy with the Braves winning, even though they beat my Dodgers. They were the better team in that series, so good on them. Um, I think they're going to get it done tomorrow. I think we're going to the season's going to be over.
2: Right. Yeah. So it's just to be different. Let's go game seven. Like everyone loves game sevens. Uh, I think it's fun. You know, I wanted this series to wrap up, uh, in Atlanta. I wanted to see that, that, that home crowd win that world series on their home turf. Uh, I still want obviously Atlanta to win. I still think that Atlanta is going to win, but let's put some little drama into this series. Let's not make it so boring. Let's go to a game seven. Let's, 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 let's make it interesting. Uh, so let's, I'm going to go Atlanta and game seven on Wednesday. Uh, but that's all I got. So this is obviously no matter what happens, this is the final, uh, Baseball segment of the 2021 season. I don't know what I'm going to talk about until uh, February rolls around when, when, when uh, spring training rolls around. If we even have a spring training, as Alex mentioned, there's a little bit of CBA darkness looming in the foreground there. But uh, hopefully that doesn't happen. But we're going to enjoy at least one more game of baseball, possibly two more of the, 20, of the 2021 season. Trade, that's all I got.
0: Hell yeah. Um, I guess I just wanted to say one quick thing about the whole pitching thing. That is That is one thing I guess you kind of brought it up. Like it seemed like during the Giants and the and the and I guess I, I I see this with every kind of game. Like you always for the day, you're always kind of seeing the buildup of who's gonna be the starting pitcher, and then you're all you're, you're thinking about that. Like it's Max Scherzer tonight, it's Clayton Kershaw. Like that gets you up and and gets you going. When there's not really a starting pitcher. It's like, eh. so um, you know, I think I think openers some-
2: openers should not be a thing. Like they should outlaw openers. Fuck that shit. It's bullshit. I just think it's dumb.
0: Okay. Yes. Um, so your uh, Robert said the same thing, but then just did it. So I don't even mean, you know yeah.
1: how like how would you um, even do that? Cause then you could just yeah. be like, Oh, the guy got hurt. We had to pull him after yeah. the first. Like, I mean, there's, no, there's way no way you can. can do that. I just,
2: you know. Yeah. Because obviously, like it, throughout the regular season, you can do bullpen games. I get that, but like postseason we're having bullpen games, like, come on.
0: Not traditional, but hey, um, I I think you definitely have something there. We'll see. <clears throat> but um, the World Series has been has been fun and interesting and we'll see how it shakes out. And we'll I guess we'll maybe talk about it next week or something. Um, but next week, hopefully we'll have more guys back. We, we, no, we don't even know we're really busy right now. Um, it's busy time for TLDR podcast, but hopefully we'll get at least one more of the, the guys back. Um, we'll talk about hockey talk about everything and um, until then check us out on um you know on youtube you can see the new handlebar mustache at Alex sport and it's pretty good um check us out on tiktok um, all the social media platforms except facebook because or meta it's meta yeah, now meta. i don't know um that's an interesting move for last week
2: we should get a TV on
0: Meta. <laughs> anyway um, you guys you guys have a great week um enjoy the enjoy all the sports and uh we'll, we'll catch you next week